This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rapp, and joining me this week, two mysterious fairy folk who maybe murdered a mermaid. Nick White. Uh, I plead the fifth. And Paloma. Who's to say? <laughs> that This does not bode well for me as a <laughs> merperson. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode 369 of the show. Uh, I was just going to say nice, but I figured I'm an adult. <laughs> We're going to move past that. Um, <laughs> we're here to talk about comic books today. I don't have any major announcements. I hope you've been reading things for our Goodreads book of the month. Black and white comics is a lot of really good stuff out there. I think last week, both of my books are black and white comics, and uh, they were both amazing. But let's get into things. Let's talk about comic books. I have two legally mandated questions that I have to ask, and that's how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Things have been good. I, I feel like this is another perfect opportunity to promote our wonderful West Michigan Weather Watch merch. And additionally, it's been quite a time for West Michigan Weather Watch. Uh, we spent the beginning of the weekend under a fire watch. Uh, that's right. Uh, it's not just a, a wonderful, quirky indie game. It was called Firewatch, right? I think it was. Yeah. Yep. You uh, had it's it. not you had just it. that. Uh, Michigan was under a Firewatch, I think, for Thursday and Friday due to um, how dry it was. We hadn't had rain for a while. Uh, and so they were literally concerned about things burning. And then we had a beautiful, wonderful weekend in the 70s. Last night, we had lightning and thunderstorms and rain. Tomorrow, there's a possibility of snow, and we might be back in the 40s. So, <laughs> uh, um, uh, climate change, huh? The climate's changing, huh? Don't, I don't, <laughs> d- don't, don't bring Al Gore into this, okay? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Please. If you don't bring Al Gore in, I won't try to do an Al Gore impersonation. So, okay. Um, Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Besides that, I, I did manage to get some reading done. I did read Phantom Road, number two. This is written by Jeff Lemire, art by Gabriel Walta, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Steve Wands. I said at the end of the first issue that I really didn't understand where this book was going or what was really going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of the second issue, still kind of feel the same. <laughs> That's <Okay>. not... <laughs> and I know... Uh, look, look, I... Uh, I, I am I am a Jeff Lemire apologist. I get that. But I don't have a problem with this. It's fine. Let's be patient and let the mystery unfold. Um, maybe that's something he sort of just picked up from his love for Twin Peaks. That just things can be weird. Things can be weird. They don't immediately have to be explained. And if you're sure. an established writer who, you know, writes 14 comics a day and sleeps maybe not at all um you you have the luxury of of being like hey my book is weird and ambiguous and uh it's gonna do whatever it wants as opposed to every other person trying to break into comics where it's like you have 22 pages convey this clearly get the point across hook people in you know this is it this is all you've got and jeff lemire is at a point in his career where he can just be like things are just weird and welcome Welcome to this universe. So is this tied into the other stuff that he's doing with Andrea Sorrentino, Sorrentino or or no? Like, oh, I feel this, like that's... Is this part of Bone Orchard? I see. Right. I've heard Bone Orchard, Bone Orchard Mythos is like uh, very confusing. Like folks who have been reading a lot of it. And I, I don't think I've actually talked to you about this yet at all, Nick. But yeah. other folks I've heard have said they've been reading all of it. And they're kind of like, 
I don't know. I guess that was a comic book that I read. Something's happening. I don't really it's, know what, but something's happening. It had two covers, and in between there were pages, and uh, it was a thing. <laughs> and there were yeah. some staples in the middle. Uh, uh-huh. No, it's interesting you bring that up, because after several people on Discord uh, said that they had finished uh, Bone Orchard, specifically the what was it called? 10,000 Feathers miniseries? Yeah. And they were like, I don't know. Your mileage may vary. I said, okay, I'm taking names and I will come back and have a a report. So I went and I did read it. Was it enjoyable? Yes. Did I not really love the ending? Yes. Also true. Did I feel like it fit in into this universe thingy? I don't, I don't know. Right. Because that's like the core conceit of bone orchard, right? Is that Mm -hmm. each thing is designed to stand alone you can read it each by itself. And apparently they're supposed to interact on this overarching universe. And I think that's such a tough conceit to do um, on a, you know, satisfactorily. So I don't think it's really doing that, to be honest. High praise. Yeah. High praise. What uh- can I say? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I-, I will say this for people who have read it. I, I do think the book sort of tries to sample two different art styles by Sorrentino and I think they're supposed mm-hmm. to clash these two I, I I could go into it for like 40 minutes but I think some right. people and myself at least had issues with the art at the beginning but once you go through the whole mini series and you see Sorrentino's more established art style kind of resurface you sort of understand this idea that he's trying to show like a, a more like depressing future alongside a more um rose tinted glasses sort of perfectly looking past gotcha i mean i guess i didn't necessarily mean to open the can of worms on, you, on but the you bone did Orchard and it's your fault um, but okay so but what i'm hearing though is that phantom road maybe has a few more answers than some of the bone orchard stuff yeah we we learn a little in issue two and i will try to tiptoe on this um, we okay. learned that the cargo in Dom's truck might be important. Uh, <laughs> okay. And that perhaps him needing to deliver it may that, that there's, there's some importance with him needing to deliver it. And you could okay. say, well, of course, Nick, that's stupid. But like, even Dom doesn't seem to realize this. He's told this by someone else. Um, okay. When when Dom is discussing this issue of why are you know why is there our world and alongside it this weird world of semi humanoid creatures in this weird desert hellscape, right? Right. Right. So okay. Well, I I probably will pick up the second issue for this. I I re- didn't I realized that I didn't have it. So okay. Well, it, it sounds to me like there's at least something there that I will be slowly trailed along with a handful of breadcrumbs um everybody in the chat or should say one person in the chat was thinking the exact same thing that i was thinking which is every time you said dom all i could think of was dom aka vin diesel's character yes. from the fast and the furious series so um now i will be imagining phantom road yeah. starring vin diesel so thank you for that thank you for everybody probably for that. yeah why not no um <laughs> the long and short of it is like even if you maybe feel that things are still moving rather slow or that the plot twists aren't quite dropping at a pace that you're happy with. It's still Gabriel Walta art 
and it still looks great. Sure. So sure. Um, I think if there's anything that can sort of tide people over, uh, it's definitely that. So, yeah. Cool. Well, Paloma, how about you? How have you been? How, be, how have comic books been? What have you been reading? I've been pretty good. I got to enjoy the like splendor, the bountiful nature splendor of reading comics outside, which is quite enjoyable, except it was way nice. too windy. So all my pages were blowing everywhere and my hair was covering my face. So it made it hard to read. Mm-hmm. But the vibes were there and the vibes were right. And <laughs> comics have been treating me well. It's kind of like my week of oops, all manga. But one that really spoke to me <laughs> it's that time of year exactly i've been waiting for this since like 2022 when this manga was announced it's yokohama kaidashi kiko volume one by hitoshi ashinano when this was first solicited i was like i need that now it's like a green-haired lady standing by like little moped hell yeah and was delayed my local comic shop never got it and i was watching it like a hawk but it's here now in my hands, also still from my local comic shop. It just blew me away. It's so quiet. It's kind of like our time has ended and now we're entering a new era. Life's kind of quiet. And we follow this robot, Android, not just qualifications here, but she runs a coffee shop and she's friends with this old man who runs like a gas station and he has a grandson that visits her. And it's just so perfect, just so slice of life with like that little bit of sci-fi because she's a robot. There's also some weird mm-hmm. creature lady running out in the woods that doesn't really talk and she's naked all the time. I don't know if I just repeated myself, but it's good. Our little robot's name is Alpha. She's like waiting for her owner to return, but just admiring human nature. And I I love robots admiring human nature and humans admiring robot nature. Uh huh. It's I think it was originally published in like nine, late nineties and ended in two thousand six. So it has that nice nineties mixture of eighties art style that feels simple but kind of captures so much expression. Highly recommend. Yeah. So this is this is like a older book being re released then, or is it an older aesthetic? But it's a modern book. I wasn't quite. I originally thought it was a newer book with an older aesthetic, but it's an old book now getting older book getting translated finally into English and like collected in like the the three in one kind of style of manga. Oh, nice. Very beautiful. The, the premise of this book reminds me of and I think I think you probably dig this this book. It's a prose book. I don't know. I know. I don't mean to recommend prose books here on this comic book <laughs> podcast, but um, it's quick. It's called A Psalm for the Wild Built. Um, it's this Ooh. it's a small little like hundred and some pages, hundred and sixty pages. And it's about this like young person who decides to go out in the world and basically just be like this tea faring or tea delivering therapist for people across the land. Um, and there's maybe this idea that there's robots out there in the universe oh but or out gosh. in the world, and she runs into one, and it's very, it's very interesting. I think this feels this book that you just described. What is it? Yokohama Kaidashi um, yeah. um, sounds exactly like the same kind of vibes. I think you you dig this little prose novella, too. Yeah, I need I need to read that. Um, but that's been that's been my time. Yeah, I'll send I'll send a link to that to over to you. Mike, how have you been? How are comics treating you? I have been mostly good, I guess. Um, I have found ways to alleviate the stress and anxiety of my 
current day-to-day life of work because um, someone took all of the stability of my day job and then decided to take all the papers and just throw them up in the air and said, like, go ahead, catch them. And I was like, I don't, I can't do this. Uh, so while I've been dealing with that, um, I got some reassurances from 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 some folks. And uh, I, I know I'm being extremely vague about this, but regardless, things are, co- are complicated at work. So I've been reading a ton of comics to compensate for all of the bad feels. Um, and so... I took and I also took off this past Friday to go get a tattoo. So like one, two punch of just like cool shit. I've got a really awesome um, Majin Vegeta on my shoulder now. Uh, once it heals up, I'll take a picture and I'll, I'll post it somewhere. Maybe I'll keep talking about this because it's the coolest thing that I have tattooed on my body. And um, and then I also read a bunch of comics. So let me talk about one really quick. I uh, I re- reread issue number one and then I read two through four of Black Cloak. Nice. This is by Kelly Thompson, art by Meredith McLaren, letters by Becca Carey. Um, if you haven't heard about this book, I know we talked about it, I think, when it first came out. I think when the second issue came out, I was like, I'm going to reread the first one because the first one was very complicated. Um, and I never did that. And then two more months went by and issues three and four came out. And I was finally sat down and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these because the fourth issue came out this past week. And I was like, I'm going to just read through all of this. And oh, my God. God, did you know that this book kind of slaps? Did you know that this book is like one of the coolest looking comics on the shelves? And it also has a really cool detective story built into it with like magic and mystery and uncertainty and like a crazy world. And like every issue is just like an unfolding box of infinite lore. It's amazing. Like McLaren's art like takes a few pages to get used to. But I swear, if you read the four issues that are out or if you wait to get the trade on this, um, this series goes hard as hell with like this whodunit combined with character building, world design and everything just clicking about this book. Like the pacing is amazing. Kelly Thompson. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of this Kelly Thompson person, but she is an incredible writer. Um, and this Black Cloak series is a perfect example of her doing her top notch work right now. This, uh, I don't know, there's so much to be explored in this world. We've got mermaids, we've got fairies, we've got elves, we've got humans, we've got political intrigue, we've got got skeleton people who are on fire and they're just living Mm -hmm. their daily lives, right? Like everybody's living in this, the last city on this planet. It's the only place people can survive. Why? I don't know. That's not part of the story because the story is a whodunit. A prince gets murdered and we got to figure out who did it, but also another person gets murdered and a murder and a mermaid gets killed. It's like, what? Like every, this first issue is very overwhelming. And I remember thinking, oh man, this is going to be really great to read as like a succession of issues and reading issues one through four, unfolding the mystery, finding out all of the intricacies of all these characters and the world that they live in. And it's like every issue we find out something new, which answers one question and then leaves you with two more new questions. I just, I want more stories in this universe. And I really, really hope that this first, this arc or whatever we're doing right now is not the end of this. Like this book feels dense, like monstrous. Mm -hmm. And if you like monstrous, you're going to love this. But I, I will say they're not the same kind of book, but I mean, just in comparative world building and lore and all the stuff that could go into it, this black cloak feels just as heavy if you want to get into it. Yeah, I don't know. Thompson and McLaren and McCary, they've put together like a really dense, well-paced, well-crafted story that I can't wait to read more of. And I will be extremely heartbroken if 
if the story just ends after we figure out this one mystery. I want more stories about the Black Cloaks and why this world is separated into different factions and why there's only one city that everybody can live in and why how the society even came to be like there's so much politics and so much government under the surface of this story that kind of outlines the structure of things like I just want to know as much about it as I can and it seems like Thompson has the infrastructure in the world that she's built to tell as many stories as she wants and I just hope that this isn't the end of it after this first arc because oh my gosh it's so good um issue number four is not even the end of the arc it's like just the fourth issue in the story and it's so good the reveal at the end so good uh yeah love this story love this series if you're not reading black cloak fix it get on that it's so freaking good uh have have either of you read this at all i just want to give you a a chance yeah i've been subscribed to this series as well i've been picking up the issues and it's my favorite one to read every time it comes out for the week it's been really impressive like the art style like okay this is this is pretty unique for something being billed as like the next saga like the art style is very different it's not your traditionally sexy Fiona Staples art, but it works so well. Totally. I feel like this like the dialogue with the characters and how like they're expressed with the art is just perfect. I love the dialogue where it's like funny and like snappy, but without like being like edgelordy or being like, I can't believe this character said that or used this kind of language. You know, kind of like the shock factor grab. Like, <laughs> right. I read Saga, but I'm like, okay, not everything has to be this jarring. So I I dig Black Cloak a lot. Totally. I'm so excited for more. And with issue four, I was like, dang, what's going to happen after they wrap up this this mystery? Where's it going to go? I hope it goes somewhere cool and keeps going. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nick, what do you think? Uh, read the first issue. Definitely... Uh, it's been a while, so the the plan is to definitely go back and, and reread that before um, even trying to attempt the rest of the issues. I, I enjoyed it, but uh, it's definitely not a book that you can sort of like take a few months off, pick up the next issue and go, oh, I remember all of these people and all of their various motivations and everything. It's it's definitely, I mean, we say it all the time on the show, and, and I don't think it's always true, but this is this feels like a book that really benefits from trade or it's going to benefit from reading it as a trade. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful set of series, single issues, but I think like it really reads super well. Like Kelly Thompson has been able to consistently like draw really well paced through lines through every single issue where there doesn't necessarily need to be huge hooks like saga. I think Um, like I think issue two or three doesn't end with a big like, Oh my gosh. Um, But it's still like, Oh no, but you told me so much and you didn't answer all of these questions I now have, which is amazing. Um, But yeah, I think, I think once this first arc comes out, it's going to be a stupendous, like sit down and read and everyone's anybody who picks it up is going to be like, yeah, this is super cool. Um, I guess one last note I'll say about the art, like Meredith McLaren's art is very, interesting um it's not your traditional like like mm-hmm. paloma said super sexy you know hot new shit comic book style um but to me and this is the this is the thing that like clicked in my head is it feels like i'm reading i'm reading a comic book that stars all of the chibi characters from a final fantasy game mm. and that is not a knock on the book but i think like that's the best way to describe it because like everybody's kind of just got this little like smallness to them and this kind of like like again, like chibi style, and I, I really, really love it. Um, but it definitely does not feel like your traditional like 
perfectly proportioned humans, your Gabriel Walters, your, your Fiona Staples, your, dare I say, you know, Jim Lee's, you know, like of people who like are studying and trying to create, recreate regular human beings. I think McLaren's art truly leans into the fantasy world of everything to say like, nothing is supposed to look like the world that you expect. Even the humans look a little bit different. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Hope you dig it. Um, go check out Black Cloak because it's uh, it's amazing. But um, before we spend the next another 20 minutes on this book, uh, Nick, what else did you read? <laughs> so I also read uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Trial of Krang, uh, volume 18, uh, story by Kevin Eastman, Bobby Curno, and Tom Waltz. Script was by Waltz. Art by Dave Wachter and Corey Smith. Additional art by Mateus Santuluoco, Chris Johnson, and Damian Cosiero, sorry about that. I was doing so well with the rest of them. At least I think I was. Uh, colors by Rhonda <laughs> Pattison, and letters and production by Sean Lee. Uh, a lot of names, a lot of names, starting to border on like Pixar movie credits names. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah. unlike a lot of books, where like the number, like the like the moment that you pass like the five or six point mark of like creators involved and you go, oh boy, I think this is going to be not great. Like there's definitely a cliff where the amount of people working on the book, you're like, oh no, like this is, this was DC struggling to get this out the door in time to, you know, <laughs> meet a deadline, right? When yeah. the book is like three anchors and four colorists and you're like, this is probably not going to win issue of the year. Um, but with this book, uh, I it's it does not fall uh, prey to that sort of problem. I have finally decided to get back on this series. This is the big ongoing TMNT series from IDW, which I believe began in 2012, and then they just renumbered it uh, maybe like two years ago for really seemingly no reason because it continues the same story mm -hmm. so this this volume's from i think like 2018 uh, just caveat emptor you know buyer beware if you thought this was going to be like an in-depth legal drama you'll be surprised by just how little this work has to do with the american legal system so if you showed up for volume 18 of tmnt and you were really hoping for law and order for that select subgroup of people, I'm sorry. It's not. Because, right. uh, you know, the trial of Magneto was very much a, a courtroom drama. Yeah. As well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is kind of disappointing because anytime TMNT becomes something I feature, uh, you know, I typically sometimes end up going and writing a poem in attempt to preemptively capture the essence of the work. So <laughs> I a allow me to proceed, Your Honor. <laughs> These turtles have Juris doctors all four pass the bar exam. They've gone into private practice. Jurisprudence. <laughs> um, all right, we're done. Thanks for listening to episode uh, 369 of uh, Irie Comic Books. <laughs> Is that how you use Juris doctors? We will have one or two angry lawyers. Right. To all the lawyers out there, please write us in ircbpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Please draw us into a civil lawsuit. No. <laughs> Censor that, Sander. Nick, <laughs> no doxing on this episode. I thought we said at the beginning of the show, no doxing. Um, what did you think of this volume before you reveal any more of my personal information on this podcast? Yeah. Uh, Xander, cut that out, I guess.
look, I, I just wanted to get back into the series of books because to quote a, a zombie face painted youth in 2007, uh, I like turtles. <laughs> So what is this book about? Maybe you wonder. Maybe you don't care at this point. No, maybe, I'm done, man. We're maybe moving it's, on. Maybe it's borderline irrelevant. But uh, basically, Krang ends up on trial, but the prosecutor ends up dead because, of course, Krang hired an assassin. And so now it actually does somewhat turn into a lawsuit. Uh, and because the prosecutor's dead, they're like, well, we need to go retrieve all the witnesses from these different dimensions. And then the turtles half are sent out to go get them. And I'm like, oh, this book is going to be pretty good. And then the book goes, now you need to read Dimension X one through five, because the book just basically skips ahead. And it's like, well, we found all the witnesses. <laughs> we found them all. We solved the crime. And I'm oh, like, oh, boy. fuck, I forgot how this goes. I'm really now I have to go read Dimension X. So, Yeah. I mean, I guess what I could say about this book that I really, really enjoyed is that if you think that the turtles are weird and Baxter Stockman is weird and Bebop and Rocksteady are bizarre characters, like you need to go look into like the Triceratons, which are just heavily sci-fi weaponized galaxy hopping Triceratopses. Sure. And go look at all of the other fucking insane characters that Eastman and Laird created and what I love about this book is that it really leans into these absolutely bizarre characters that were just created like 30 years ago and TMNT is still using them. So it's just weird. And I love it. I love it. I love the willingness to continue to use these absolutely bizarre characters. I mean, this is what you get with 18 volumes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is eventually the weird stuff comes out, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the and, and, and the fact that the IDW reboot reflects all of this, this absolutely bizarre shit. Uh, it's, it's great. And, and for anyone out there who wants, uh, uh, other TMNT stuff, go check out like the black and white classic stuff. It's so good. Absolutely. Well, before I ask any questions about the turtles, because I don't want to open that can of worms for this week's show anyways. Um, uh, Paloma, what else have you been reading? <laughs> please, please. Anything but turtles, please. <laughs> No turtles so far in this one, but I picked up Insomniac's After School Volume 1 by Makoto Ojiro. Uh, first of all, I don't know why I keep calling it Insomniac's After Dark, so someone else could use that as a title. That also sounds cool to me, but it's Insomniac's After School. Okay. And I was interested in it because we were getting the English release kind of like concurrently with the anime release. So I'm like, oh, does this mean it's like extra hyped or is it just coincidence? But it follows two high schoolers who find each other in their high school's abandoned observatory. And content warning, there used to be an astronomy club, but there was, oh, content warning is suicide mentioned, not astronomy. My apologies. But there's an astronomy club. <laughs> though both, though both <laughs> could be, you know. <laughs> and all of the members um, had passed away except for one and so because of this horrible these horrible circumstances they closed it down so flash forward to now we have our boy insomniac and our girl insomniac i'm sorry i don't remember anyone's names but they find each other in this observatory and they bond instantly because they totally get each other and what it means to be sleep deprived and so we see like a budding friendship it's very wholesome so far 
very cute. I think there's going to be a lot of nice interweaving like relationships as we get to know more of the kids. I am scared because the girl Insomniac mentioned that she used to be ill as a child. And I am haunted by Your Lion April, which I have not finished, but is also like a meet cute high school kids find each other and understand each other perfectly, but one of them is seriously ill. So I'm scared, but also hopeful. And the art is just very, very cute, very expressive. I feel like the kids all look pretty different where instead of like everyone kind of like looking like the same face girl and boy with different hair. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend as well. Fun times. Yeah, I like the cover. The cover of this looks really cool. And I always, I mean, not that not that that's a clear indicator for, for manga, but, you know, it's an interesting style. It's not just your your typical Shonen Jump. Yeah. You know, we're just going to fight each other kind of stuff that's coming out from Viz. But yeah, Mike, what have what else have you been yeah, let me let me talk about one more book before I uh, we take a break here and go into uh, the second half. Um, I sat down and read Danger in Other Unknown Risks. This is by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Uh, it's an original graphic novel that came out from, I want to say, Penguin something, some sub imprint of, of Penguin. Um, but the synopsis is this. Um, I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to ask that you let me finish before you say anything. Here's the deal. On midnight of January 1st, 2000, the world ended, but it wasn't technology that killed it. It was magic. Now, years later, the earth has transformed. Magic works, sort of. People are happy, sort of. Uh, But this new world isn't stable. And unless Marguerite de Pruitt and her canine pal Daisy do something about it, it'll tilt into deadly chaos. Good thing they've been training their entire lives for this and are destined to succeed, or so they think. This book is a masterclass in pacing, humor, character development, cool twists. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but that Ryan North and Erica Henderson, these two, they kind of know how to make a really good comic book, it seems. This is the type of comic that I think we all on the show a lot of the time we clamor for. A book that is broken up into chapters that is released as a graphic novel, because if you were to read it in chapters, it would be good. But as if you read it as a whole, it is great. The premise of this book is fun enough. Um, Ryan North does a fantastic job of imagining a future where everything is different because of a bad thing without turning it into this dystopian nightmare. And while there are moments in the book where you're like, oh, things didn't work out well for everybody, on the whole, this is an extremely optimistic book. Like, I think the target audience for this is like middle grade, maybe a little bit older than that. But I felt like it worked for me as an adult. It's just a really, really good comic book about a, a new world where magic maybe works, kind of. Sometimes people can use it. We don't really know how. There's this idea that magic came out of nowhere and it has disrupted all the electronics in the world. That's why they don't work anymore. And in order to use magic, people have just been guessing for who knows how many years? We don't know what the date is because that date is no longer important to the people of this world. It's such a such a smart way to kind of erase a bunch of expectations about what you think a dystopian future is and really bring you into this extremely rich world where we only get to see just a small glimpse of it in order to tell this story about Marguerite and her talking dog Daisy and their adventure to save the world um, based off of a, a quote-unquote prophecy. It's so... So, so smart. So well done. It's It's got like everything that you would want of a, out of a really good graphic novel. Um, it's super fun. It's super easy to read. Like I sat down and I read it all in one go. And it's one of those kinds of books. And I don't know if anybody else out there is like this. But like when I sat down to read Danger and Other Unknown Risks, I was like, 
this is a big graphic novel. You know, maybe I'm going to be done reading comics for the night after I finish this because sometimes books take it out of you. But this is one of those books that like greased a lot of rusty wheels in my head. I read this and then I went on to read like six more single issues, another graphic novel, like another volume of manga. And I was like, my brain was just like ready to take in story because this one book was so good. Um, Like five out of five, highly recommend this. Like I read it digitally. I'm buying a physical copy next time I can get to a shop. I need to have this at home. Erica's art is amazing. Like you think that you've seen good Erica Henderson art. You're wrong. You, you've not seen good Erica Henderson art. This book is her at her best. Um, I think she also did the lettering and the lettering is really interesting. It's like a combination of there's the occasional um, caption boxes, but like the word bubbles are done in a way that like humans speak. And obviously that's a that's a work between Ryan and Eric or Erica, like working together to try to like, you know, make things lay out. But like the way that they do interruptions of people speaking is not the way that a lot of other comics do. Um, they were really smart about the way that they like overlapped word bubbles to show that another person was talking over somebody, um, even to the point where. The, our main character Marguerite is like talking to herself about something and she interrupts herself and the word bubbles overtake each other. It's like, it's like, it's so cool. Like, again, this book is so good. Highly recommend this. Like if you pick up anything recommended from us this week um, or this month, as far as I'm concerned, I don't, I don't know what the rest of April is going to hold for us, but I think danger and other unknown risks is like top book of the year. This is probably going to be on my best of for the year. Um, haven't read a book so far this year that it's going to top it or has topped it. So yeah, anyways, could rant and rave all day about this book, but it's very, very, very good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess let's uh, let's take a second. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the books in the top four pile. And we're going to talk about the fact that we don't have a guest this week, even though I promised one last week. We'll get into all that um, after the break. So we'll be back in just a second. back it's the second half of the show hope you had a good you know momentary break with that infinity shred music that we love oh so much we're here now to talk about the top four pile picks and i guess before we get into that i do want to say this week we were supposed to have a guest chris solis the kickstarter is, is out right now flag to fly number one it's on kickstarter there's a link in the show notes long story short some just business came up uh and things could not work out because of last minute issues um totally understandable stuff but uh yeah it's unfortunate they couldn't be here to talk with us so we're going to talk a little bit about the books on the top of our pile and then we're going to talk a little bit about chris's book a flag to fly number one so let's just jump right into things nick what is on the top of your pile whether that's a new book old book whatever that's our normal spiel yeah so for me it's definitely definitely gotta be the one and only the forged number two by greg rucka and eric troutman Art by Mike Henderson, colors by Nolan Woodard, letters by Ariana Marr. Look, I, I love Greg Rucka. I absolutely, absolutely love Greg Rucka. I don't know if he's put out a book that hasn't been a banger in, oh gosh, I don't even know what the last dud, if there was a dud by Rucka. And I think part of it is just that he's so selective um, mm-hmm. and... Certainly recently, in recent years, his books 
uh, come out so infrequently. Um, not only new ones, but just issues, <laughs> issues mm-hmm. to currently mm-hmm. ongoing. Well, it's it's uh, hard to put out bad books series. when you're only putting out one issue every four to six every, months. Like four months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, right? Exactly. Because if 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 that's something you have a problem with, then it's really a problem. Yeah, yeah. I put out a book every half year, and it's terrible. Um, no. Uh, so yeah. Again, Greg Rucka. The guy who did Black Magic, the guy who did Lazarus, he's got a new book. And I mean, let me just try uh, to explain this book so far, and and I will fail. So I will just go off of the solicit, which even I don't think does a good enough job. Uh, It says, in the 11th millennium of the rule of the Eternal Empress, a squad of planet-smashing super soldiers find their routine mission to be anything but. These are the Forged. They Take No Prisoners, written by Greg Rucka and Eric Troutman, and brought to the page by Mike Henderson, embark upon an over-the-top pulp adventure of sex, violence, and sci-fi inspired by Conan, Heavy Metal, and other comics you tried to hide from your parents. Okay. If you like a book about tough, buff women piloting mechs, and if you don't like that, who are you? Why do you (laughs) sub and dub your shows on Netflix? (laughs) We'll touch on this again later, I suppose. Uh, If you don't like that, what's wrong with you? It's fucking awesome. Nick, do you know what else this book is about? Oh, fuck. No, I need to reread it again. Look, the first issue is oversized. It's like nearly 60 pages and much like Lazarus. uh, Like you're getting thrown in the deep end. Greg Rucka is the most extensive world building comic book writer i know hands down sorry jeff i love you jeff lemire but greg holds the 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 throne and he wears the crown and he is just the best world building writer out there and it's just get you just get thrown in the deep end you know you're just trying to keep your head above water as all of this stuff gets thrown at you but you know eventually it will all make sense and you'll be reading at issue 15 and like 27 and like 38 and you're like oh everything is like falling into place now like mm-hmm. stuff from like issue 1 and issue 7 suddenly make perfect sense because Greg Rucka is a genius and everything just falls into place perfectly and beyond that Mike Henderson on art look i wasn't crazy about nailbiter but obviously that was like 10 year 10 i know i know gasp whatever but like for me his art has leveled up since you know 10 years ago or whatever when nailbiter came out oh, and sure. uh, i mean it's not like his style has aesthetically shifted it doesn't look completely different but it's leveled up and uh it you know uh we're human beings and we grow and improve or at least that's what some of us are supposed to do i guess so um, no pressure on the rest of you, I guess. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, Nick, are you recommending The Forge yes. to us? Or okay, Yes. Okay. Yes. It's a hard book to explain, but I'm enjoying what I've seen. Um, and it's just so great to have a new Greg Rucka book. Totally. Because it feels like the last one. Gosh, it feels like it was Black Magic. Can that be even be true? That was like eight years ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't know Greg's... Discography. I was going to say bibliography <laughs> yeah. on the top of my head. Well, you know what? You know, I guess Lazarus 
what is it now being called? Lazarus something. It got a new title when it went quarterly, and I guess that's mm-hmm. still happening, but um, yeah, it's so infrequent at this point. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, cool. I mean, this looks this looks and sounds very cool. I did not know that this book was coming out, so maybe I'll check it out when the when the trade comes together because I'm I'm assuming it's gonna make a cool collection. Um, yeah, and the issues are kind of a weird, oversized. Um, I don't know mm. if it's quite what I would consider like uh, heavy metal dimensions, like the magazine, but it is an oversized. Um, yeah, I, I see that the solicit says series premiere trim size mm-hmm. 8.375 inches by 10.875 inches, which to me looks like a wide. It looks almost like the the black label magazine size comics that DC did. So I don't know. That's a bummer, but uh, whatever. I guess the collection won't. I don't need to bag and board the collection. But anyways, we'll talk more about book sizes later. Paloma, what have you been reading? I guess what's on the top of your pile? Sorry. I'm very stoked to check out uh, Batman Superman World's Finest Volume 1, The Devil Nezha by Mark Wade and then Dan Mora on art. My understanding is that it takes place in the past because we see Dick Grayson as Robin. And I think it's more of like the campier elements Mm. of like a Batman Superman team up. You have them being handsome and square jawed a la Dan Mora and his expertise. And I like Mark Wade doing superhero stuff, mm-hmm. so I've been pretty, pretty stoked to pick this up. Finally got it in my home. There's going to be some Doom Patrol. I think I've seen on future covers like Metallo. Is that the orange and purple guy with like the white head? Maybe I'm Metamorpho. Uh, you're supposed to be the expert here, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just seen some kind of like Batman, the Outsiders guys, Doom Patrol. So I feel like it's going to be a zany time. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Dan Mora. He's been rocking Dark Knights of Steel and the art on that. So I'm very stoked yes. to see where it goes. I've just seen, just seen a lot of good banter. I'm I'm in it for the banter when it comes to superheroes. I love a Batman Superman team up when it can be more on like the the friendship side versus like I am darkness and you are light. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna clash. That's what I'm looking forward to. God, this sounds like a Paul book. This sounds like a Paul book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I guess Paloma, you are probably also a fan of those those issues of the Tom King Batman run, where it was Superman and Batman go out on dates yes. and double date with you know Lois and Selina, and they have a good time together, right? Yep. I specifically just bought that the issues from that story arc. So that was that was made just for me. Totally. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let me talk about, I guess before I get into my pick, uh, we got some folks hanging out with us on Discord. As always, you can hang out with us on Discord. Don't have to be a member of the Patreon. You can just find the link in our show notes and come hang out with us. Talk comics, talk oversized dad hats, talk all sorts of stuff. Nick's F1 corner of hell exists if you want to talk about F1, um, all sorts of stuff. So folks are hanging out with us live as we record today. Jeff is reading a book on, on the top of their pile called Star Trek number 400, 400 issues of Star Trek. Is there even a continuation there? I don't want to know. Someone tell me in the post credits. Um, Danny is reading Superboy Man of Tomorrow number one. Hugh is reading America, rereading American Born Chinese. Um, yeah, with the announcement of that new TV show, I totally understand why. So for me this week, obviously my pick was: Does it count if you lose your virginity to an Android Volume One trade paperback? Um, the sexy Yuri comedy about an office lady and her lovely robot housekeeper is sure to hit all the right buttons. That's definitely my pick, right? I, I, these light novel books need to stop is all I'm saying. 
Um, <laughs> no, uh, the book that I am actually looking forward to reading uh, this week is a book that I got from the big fan of graphics Fantabuck sale that they did. This is called 1-800 Ghosts by G. Davis Cathcart. Uh, the synopsis for this book is using otherworldly technology to enter the future and repurpose the intellectual property of a pro- of a popular yet evil artist in order to change its cultural trajectory, Cedric and his team realize that society will face a conundrum that only they can rectify, accept the work of a sonic genius despite any abusive behavior, or release the work themselves, stripping the artist of the pivotal success that would later enable horrible crimes. Ultimately, the team decides to save the decades-defining cultural touchstone before it ever happens. Michael Jackson's Thriller. So, (laughs) um, this is kind of an absurd book. Uh, it's 32 pages of a quick time traveling saga that should be fun. Um, it's better than anything else that I saw coming out this week, at least instead of an air horn. Um, I'm hot takes only this week. Um, but no, I, I wanted to read this. The art looks really cool. Uh, I've never seen G. Davis Cathcart before, but Fanographics publishing stuff. Hard to say no to. So um, this should be fun. And uh, yeah, I was skimming through League of Comic Geeks and I just couldn't find anything that was even worth while talking about this week so sorry to the forged i guess but um everything looks like it stinks that's all i gotta say um how could you (laughs) beyond the forged i think the new um uh there's a new image book coming out as well that looked really good well clearly it wasn't that good because you can't even remember so let's look uh, it up (laughs) Before we wrap up today, uh, so Chris Solis was supposed to be here today to talk comics with us and uh, and talk about their Kickstarter, but unfortunately they they couldn't make it. So uh, Paloma, Nick, and I got an advanced copy of uh, A Flag to Fly number one. This is art by Lane Lloyd, letters by David Lentz, story by C. Solis, uh, or Chris Solis, and edited by Aubrey Lynn Jepsen. Um, Aubrey's name you may recognize from an interview that we did a while back um, for the Scott Snyder's Tale of the Cloakroom series, uh, a little anthology book that they did. And um, Aubrey is the editor on this book because, if I'm not mistaken, Chris also had a story in that anthology. So um, the story of this <laughs> this book uh, is, you know, the the there's. <laughs> It's kind of goofy, um, which is why I'm 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 very excited. It's like an adventure comedy, 22 pages. It's a grand fantasy tale of family leadership and the hard road to becoming a person you can believe in. Um, Nick Paloma, I guess, what were your thoughts on this book? Let's not spoil it too much because the Kickstarter is ongoing. You can check a link to that in the show notes. But uh, what did you guys think of this 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 new Kickstarter book? Well, for me, I I really did enjoy the art style. It definitely is a little bit more. Um, you know, uh, cartoony. And again, of course, when we refer to cartoony on this show, it's it's not pejorative. It's just more of an animated aesthetic. I really thought some of the, um, you know, uh, emotions and, and, and uh, whatnot were, were pretty effective at, at conveying comedy, especially when the protagonist's son was training, you know, to become a knight or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, He's like practicing with the dummy and you can tell that the, uh, the, um, I guess, what do you want to call it? His, his sparring partner or, or assistant is like very unsure about his abilities and whether or not this guy is going to end up hurting both of them. Uh, you know, he's like looking like really like unsure or upset and a lot of panels or you see him like grabbing his shoulder and kind of like worried. Or when he's nervously bracing himself behind the the practice dummy, which has like the googly eyes on it, which uh, is just uh, <laughs> yeah, is, is, is it's it's like stupid funny. Um, yeah, the book definitely has a 
sense of humor that almost feels a little anachronistic at times. You know, it's um, some of the, the lines thrown around or, or whatnot almost have like a more modern feel to them and, and not like, you know, ye old England sort of speech, which is, yeah. which is kind of interesting. It's like a, it's a medieval setting with a modern humor style, which um, I, you know, I, I think for some people will appeal. I think other people might find it a little uh, jarring, but I think it works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it felt very much to me like a, like a cartoon that you would see on TV where like yes. it's aimed at a younger audience. So it has to use like kind of common vernacular and stuff in order to get its points across. Because again, you lean too far into the yield, whatever. And I think that you get away from the humorous aspects of the comic and you have to like, again, we have to like prompt things in different ways in order to make the humor work. Whereas if you just take the setting and then add like, again, like more just common speak to the way that people talk, um, it's much easier to kind of sell bits and jokes as the story goes on. Um, so yeah, I get I get that trade off, but um, I totally agree with you. If you if you're coming here for like a ye old timely styled um, uh, comic, you're you're definitely not going to get that. But that is not a detraction at all from this comic. I think uh, Paloma, though, what did you think? I also really liked the comedic elements. There was some really good physical comedy, which I think can be tough to convey in like still pictures, mm-hmm. and one of kind of like the gag like classic slipping on a banana peel but not a banana uh actually moved the plot in a major <laughs> way so i was like wow okay so i thought that was a really good balance mm-hmm. of like comedy laughing and oh we're, we're getting serious now and i also like the cartoony art style i'm like finally some unique noses which i feel like only exists in the more, more cartoony style sometimes but I like the pacing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see where like some of the characters go. Or if we learn any characters, backstories, there's a sorcerer character who I'm like, I wonder what, what role they'll play. And then a, a cool looking giant knight. Mm-hmm. Like always big fan of just giant characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that is one thing I will say about this is the proportions of this book are like <laughs> all over the place, but in like a very good like like dynamic way right it allows for like this mm-hmm. animin is animism within the the story that is really hard to convey sometimes it kind of it's weird to say but it does remind me of some of the stuff that you would see in like early squirrel girl comics that erica henderson did yeah. oh um, totally i feel like there's a huge influence in that art style there so if you're into erica henderson i think this might this might click for you um and yeah it's a very goofy goofy funny book like it's definitely trying to be a comedy more than anything and i think it definitely excels there so yeah i mean if you guys get a chance we could talk about you know every in, in moment of the plot on this but um if you guys get a chance make sure to go check out the kickstarter i'll have a link in the show notes um it's a pretty fun little book so um i guess nick any any last thoughts i guess before we wrap up there yeah honestly the i i really love a lot of the character designs in this book there's some stuff I mean, in general, the characters have a sort of a blockier, you know, geometric style to them. Like even some of the close ups on like the hands, you know, the fingers look more square and have sort of straight lines to them. There's a real like straight line geometric approach. And you see that in more broadly in some of the designs. And I love those. Um, what are they? Are they like soldiers or or um, when they try to break into that place and those guys in the red suits and red cloaks and the 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 masks oh, yeah, the, 
like, like the assassins or whatever. Yeah, the assassins, yeah. yeah. And one of them has like a skeleton mask, and the other one has like the mask with like the single eye hole above the teeth, and the other one's mm-hmm. got like the um what do they call that? It looks like a plague doctor's mask. Yeah. And it yeah. just looks fucking badass. And that panel, like when they just show up and their three faces are like immediately right in the front of the panel after they shoot their grappling hooks over the, you know, the castle. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. some really great, fun, bold character designs. Um, yeah. I almost thought one of them looked like it was like a like a medieval Iron Man outfit for a second because they're <laughs> because they're wearing yellow that yellow and and gold uh, gold and and red outfit and I was like is this like medieval Iron Man this is weird but uh, yeah. um, just some really fun design work here that I, I I think helps keep you know move the book along and and really engage with people totally mm-hmm. uh, Paloma last thoughts. Great character designs. I thought all unique, no chance of same face syndrome where you don't know who's who. I thought it was a fun time and I think like a good addition into like the high fantasy with modern speech kind of genre, especially for like younger, younger audiences. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree with, with both of you on this stuff. Um, this is a, it's a pretty fun, fun little book. Um, and I'm excited to see where I think Chris told me that they've, they've got plans for future issues as well. Like, obviously, this first one ends in a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, so there's definitely more to come on this. So if you get a chance, check out the Kickstarter. There's a link below. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's probably going to wrap it up for us this week. Um, next week, Brian and Kara join me on the show to and I quote, this is what they wanted to talk about. Messy Sith who live for drama. So we're going to be doing a Star Wars focused episode. I hope you're ready for it. Um, Brian sent me a photo or a picture of like an all white Darth Vader, which I don't understand the context for. They said, Mike, that's fine. We'll explain everything next week. So prepare for more lore dumping of IP into my brain. This time it's Star Wars compared to last week, which was G.I. Joe and other things that um, I just don't I don't care about. But we'll see. It, it's going to be fun. So um, make sure to join us on Discord next week if you want or come join, you know, listen to the episodes on Patreon. You get access early and all that stuff. Um, for, as always, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We've got our Discord. We've got Goodreads. We've got a YouTube channel and you know plenty of other places, I guess, all over the internet. You can support us on Patreon to get access early access to episodes, plus things like a better Batmobile, the IRCB Movie Club, this brand new series thing that we're doing called Post Credits, where we record some after-episode conversations. All that's on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander wishes people did not fear him. He edits the show. I want to say thank you to Paloma and Nick for being on this episode with me. Thank you for everyone for listening live. You are fantastic human beings. And if you got this far in the episode, thank you so much for supporting the show. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Comics are good.